going on a show and, and pitching yourself is not going to attract people towards you. And I think it's sort of similar to a keynote. If you go on stage and you do a keynote and you spend the whole time pitching yourself or your company, people are not going to want to engage with you afterwards. People don't end up doing that because it's too embarrassing to be in public in front of all these people and actually pitching yourself. But it's just like, you know, you get a stranger on the internet behind a keyboard and just all sorts of things can come out. Uh, I think there's like a medium level of opacity with the, the podcasting world. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Dana. Dana, thank you so much for being here with us today. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So give everybody the highlight of who you are and what you do for business. So my name is Dana Lindahl, and I run a podcast placement agency. We help entrepreneurs and founders to go on podcast tours uh, to promote themselves in their business, but not in a salesy way. Uh, but we help them to facilitate the placements of getting introduced to hosts and getting them scheduled for those appearances and training them to do the best job they possibly can on that podcast that they get placed on. Nice. I have 10,000 questions for you, but before I do, let's kind of back up the bus. How did you get into podcast assistance and placement and <laughs> the things that you do? Yeah. So it was sort of a pivot for us, actually. Uh, so back in 2014, I started a lead generation company and we were very focused on cold email. And back then uh, we would send cold emails to people and get them on the phone and offer to run cold email campaigns for them. And back then, if you can believe this, people were actually in awe that there were companies that would do this for you as a service. These days, you can't get companies that do this as a service to stay away from you. Uh, <laughs> but back then, it was a really novel concept. Uh, so we figured out a really good process and we were very good at hyper-personalization in our emails. And that's always been our, our bread and butter and the reason we were able to, for the most part, get through all the you know the noise in people's inboxes. And around the time just before COVID hit, it was, you know, kind of a coincidence. We started to really burn out on providing this as a service, um, mostly because we've been doing it for a while, but also because we were seeing so many of the new tools come in. Tools come in to help you automate what's basically spam on LinkedIn. Uh, so many, you know, databases where you can download lead lists from and, you know, for a couple hundred dollars a month, you can just spam everybody you want. And that makes it so much more difficult to get a, you know, a reasonable message that's actually thoughtful and, and personal across to somebody. And just, you know, as an entrepreneur, as someone with ADHD myself, I only have a certain amount of attention span. And I had been doing lead gen for several, several, several years, close to 10 at this point. And I could see the trajectory of podcasting taking off. And it was a good time for me because it was just before COVID hit. And as soon as COVID hit, a lot of People that were doing a lot more in-person speaking and, and things like that, events, moved to podcasting. Podcasting really blew up around that point. Uh, but we realized we could take our skill set that we had already been developing for the past decade or so, and that we were really good at, that we were burnt out on the application of, and apply it to something new. Uh, a lot of what we do for podcast placements is still based around outreach and personalization and, and getting in touch with hosts and managing those relationships. So it was a way for us to take what we were already good at and apply it to something where we felt like the industry was was speeding in the direction of. I love it. So before we go any further, for those who don't know what hyper-personalization is, what is that for you guys? 
So we take a different approach to this. I say hyper-personalization, but I mean that in terms of the effect that the person feels when they read one of our emails. It's not necessarily how much we've actually personalized it. And this is not related to podcasting at all, but it's, I feel like, pretty good. But it kind of uh, is, actually. because you guys. It are really is, it is. But I feel like it's more of a marketing, uh, you know, best practices, especially as we talk about lead generation. Um, so I'll start by... I get a lot of bad cold emails from people. And what? no way. <laughs> I'm also pretty good at telling when they're bad or when they've they've done a, you know, uh, a low effort job. Um, but the biggest thing that I see that makes cold emails look very unprofessional and low quality is actually personalizations when they're done improperly. So what you get a lot of are people who will run some sort of API in your location and say, "Oh, the weather was great last week in Calgary." Or, you know, one thing that I get, because I live in, in Austin all the time, uh, is people reaching out and say, oh, I know this great place in Austin. Have you ever been to Austin City Center? And it's like, did you really just reach out to me and suggest that I go to the downtown area of the city that I live in? And I actually had someone recommend Chili's to me as a restaurant. And it's like, <laughs> I live in a pretty good foodie city. Like, I'm not going to Chili's. I can't believe you'd even recommend that. But those sort of things, people think they're doing a hyper level of personalization, but that's not what we do. In fact, what we look at as a hyper level of personalization is really just us placing people into buckets primarily. So as an example of this, uh, when we reach out to people who might be potential customers of ours, we're reaching out to people who we find on podcasts because that indicates they likely want to be doing more podcasts. So we reach out to them and we mention something that we heard on the podcast. That's that's fairly personal. But the rest of the email is something that can be accomplished by my, my team of primarily VAs, by them going in and looking up certain pieces of information and using those pieces of information to turn it into sort of not mail merge style sentences, but something that fits exactly what their situation is, but doesn't call it out directly. And I know that might not necessarily make complete sense, but an example of that would be we find someone, we mention, you know, what they talked about on that podcast that we heard. And then we could go and we look up how many more appearances can we find by this person? And if we can find two, we're not going to reach out and say, I found two more podcasts from you. We're going to reach out and say, I only found a small handful from you, but you sounded so good on those. I've I can't figure out why you haven't made podcasting more of a priority. So the average type of personalization that I see all the time would want to just make that a two. I heard you on two more podcasts. We also have other categories for, you know, two to five, five plus. If they're on more than five, we don't say we found you on 17 podcasts, but I looked no, you up in your podcast appearances. <laughs> and now my up next list has got a, you know, a bunch of the, from you that I'm interested in, you know? So it's like, it's mentioning things that are that are conversation as well. Uh, another example is when we, you know, cause we do a lot of outreach to hosts as well to form partnerships with them. Uh, and we like to mention episodes that we heard, but not your episode with John Smith from three months ago, your episode for, with John Smith from October, 2022, but your episode with John Smith from a few months ago, something that's more natural to the actual way that people talk to each other. And it's a very, very, very subtle difference. Uh, but we find that being able to do more vague personalizations actually results in a hyper-personalization from the way that it feels to the person who's receiving it. 
I love that. Well, yeah, and you're absolutely right. Cause as you're saying that, and I wouldn't have noticed that ordinarily, but when you were saying it, it's like, Oh, we saw 17 of them. It's like, okay, that just sounds a little creepy. Like you're sitting there <laughs> counting <laughs> going through it. Uh, so I absolutely appreciate the way that, um, You've approached it as a host and bringing guests to me um, too, because you do have a high quality of guests. Like I was looking at them going, wow, like you're not just kind of getting paid to, <laughs> to produce guests. They're actually exactly what I asked for, exactly curated and uh, super impressed with that as well. So how do you manage that? So with every guest that we work with, we want to focus a lot with them during the onboarding phase on how to make the most out of every podcast appearance that they they go on. And of course, everyone out there, they, they want to go on a show because they want to promote themselves. They want to promote their business. And when we start going through topic ideation with people and you know what sort of audiences they want to speak to, we find that this is the point where we need to do the most coaching with them. Because most people who just get an idea in their head of, hey, I want to go on a podcast, they want to go on a podcast and talk to the wrong people about the wrong topics. Because most people want to go on and talk too close to their industry. So maybe they run an SEO agency. So they might want to be going on SEO focused shows. They might want to be going on agency focused shows. But that's potentially interesting but it's being done over and over and over again. We would rather have someone go a little bit outside of their area of expertise for a couple of reasons. Not outside, but more like adjacent, actually. Uh, so for someone who is running an SEO agency, we might want to have them go on a show that focuses a little bit more on an industry where they work with clients on SEO. And by doing that, they can start talking about things that are actually new and interesting to people that are listening to that show. It might be about e-commerce. It might be about, you know, running a gardening business just in general. Uh, the audience tunes in every week and they want to be able to hear pretty much the same thing week in, week out. But what that does is they throw the AirPods in, they start vacuuming the carpet. And before they realize that they haven't really been paying attention to the whole episode, then one of our guests comes along and they're not talking about how to run a gardening business, but they're talking about SEO best practices within gardening businesses. And all of a sudden, this is much more interesting because it wasn't what the, the guest was ex or the, the listener was expecting. Uh, but also, as a result of this, not only does it stand out more, but the person who's speaking does not need to pitch themselves to provide value. And that's what we try to impress the most upon our customers is that going on a show and, and pitching yourself is not going to attract people towards you. And I think it's sort of similar to a keynote. If you go on stage and you do a keynote and you spend the whole time pitching yourself or your company, people are not going to want to engage with you afterwards. People don't end up doing that because it's too embarrassing to be in public in front of all these people and actually pitching yourself. But it's just like, you know, you get a stranger on the internet behind a keyboard and just all sorts of things can come out. Uh, I think there's like a medium level of opacity with the, the podcasting world. Um, so some people will want to do these things, but just like a keynote, we try to impress upon people that if you show up, simply provide value to the audience, that is going to be the thing that makes people want to learn more about what you have to say. And because you're not asking them to go do this thing or telling them they need to go do this thing, 
they're more naturally curious because they spend some time actually getting to know you and your ideas and insights rather than the thing that you sell in the background. Well, and I love that you're coaching people and helping them through this because I'm going to go on the assumption that if people have only guessed it a few times, that they're not really kind of used to the whole culture and you know they're just not savvy in the world of podcasting and, and delivering it in a, especially in an auditory way. Are you finding that anybody is kind of a little wigged out that people aren't going to see them even though they're doing video? <laughs> um. No, in fact, sometimes we get uh, a little bit of the opposite. Sometimes we get people who don't want to go on on video. video. <laughs> um, what we always tell people is don't worry that the video is not going to be, that it's not going to be a video podcast because some podcasts publish both. Some podcasts like, like we're doing right now uh, could be on video, but maybe the video doesn't get published. Um, but the video is still there for two things. One, it's so that, you know, you and I, as we're talking, we can, you know, feed off of each other's reactions a little bit more. We're having a better conversation right now because we can actually see each other as we're we're reacting to things. But two, all of this video can then be repurposed into a much more social media, multimedia friendly format, even if you don't release the full video, because trying to simply post an, an audiogram with a, a static image and you know the clip playing an audio in the background. That's great. That works if that's all you have, but being able to actually see the people talking back and forth and repurpose all that content is super, super valuable. Uh, so we are, honestly don't ever get that as a, right. as something that weirds people out. Excellent. So when, when you're working with people, are they familiar with podcasts? Do they tend to listen to podcasts or is it merely that they've had an opportunity to guest a couple of times and and you've kind of discovered them, if you will. Yeah, it, it sort of runs the gamut. Um, we definitely get people who have, you know, they've come to us having done over a hundred podcasts, or or we have people coming to us who are hosting their own show and have been hosting it for hundreds of episodes. They just want to, you know, do a swap with other shows and things like that. So we get people who are extremely experienced and just simply need help with the logistics of setting everything up. And then we get people who have literally never done a single podcast before in their lives and really need a little bit more training. And sometimes we'll do mock uh, podcast episodes with those people just so they get an opportunity to, you know, get their trial run out on a stage where it's a little bit more uh, friendly. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there any one of those who kind of stands out as being kind of the most fun and or intriguing to you? In terms of their story or in terms yeah. of in terms of their story where they just struck you as, wow, this is going to make a great <laughs> podcast or anything. Uh, I think the most amazing ones for me have been the, the really like, I hesitate to say the word out there, but more like less traditional types of, of business stories. Um, when we were first doing this, our prices were much cheaper than they are now. And we still, greatly discounted this customer just because we liked her story so much. And uh, I'm really sorry because I forget the specific country she was in, uh, but she was in uh, a Central African country and she was starting a business to you know, improve the overall life of people in her small village by helping them to raise goats and like get goats and help each family to get one and then be able to breed them and get more and sell the milk and sell the meat and all this stuff and just 
being able to help someone like this kind of share their message with the world was was so great because I mean we have so many people doing so many amazing things in business and you know marketing folks sales folks you know HR people leaders and things like that I don't want to say it gets monotonous after a while but you know if you're dealing with hundreds and hundreds of podcast episodes each week, it, it kind of seems like you're sifting through the same sorts of conversations all the time. That one really stuck out to me the most. And, you know, it was brought to me from the sales team of like, this person can't afford our normal prices, but I think we should really feature her. And it was oh, just, a, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so sweet. Well, and, and I do love the idea of um, somebody who can see the bigger picture especially in podcasting is a lot of people that I've seen kind of have this, Oh, I'll do a podcast and it'll only be about people in my neighborhood. And it's like, well, that's neat, but you know that you're on the internet, right? <laughs> it's like, there's, there's a whole lot of something, something going on here. So do you work with people to kind of expand? Um, if they're thinking about hosting and kind of how do we position this how do we kind of get the right audience that we're going for how do we kind of to be able to see a vision for their company that they might not have been able to see yeah definitely um so a good example of this and it kind of ties back to my my previous point is we worked with a a guy uh he calls himself the marketing cfo uh so he's you know he's a good marketer and he's a good fractional cfo two skill sets that almost never intersect <laughs> with themselves so right. like really the unicorn oh. of a guy already um but he had just recently like quit a more traditional like uh cfo role and wanted to go into business for himself um so we started to place him on podcasts and he wanted to go on marketing podcasts and talk about marketing and he wanted to go on uh accounting podcasts and talk about accounting and that's where we pumped the brakes with him because we're like hey man there are so many people out there marketers talking about marketing and people are you know they're still listening but it's it's getting old there's also so many accountants talking about accounting. Honestly, they're probably still very enthused to continue talking about accounting. Uh, <laughs> but are. what we had him do was go on marketing-focused shows to talk about accounting best practices for the marketing departments and go on accounting-focused shows to talk about marketing best practices that relates back to the finance department. So like I was saying earlier, people who are listening to these episodes – they start the episode thinking they're going to get one thing and it's still highly relevant to them, but it's just enough outside what they thought that they were going to hear that it actually keeps them listening in a lot more. Nice. So if there's somebody listening in and they're kind of not sure as to whether or not they have something worth going on to podcasts for, what kind of things are you looking for and what kind of things can they self-identify with and go, Ooh, I actually might be able to do this podcasting thing. So. For the most part, I generally say that everyone has a story to tell. Uh, that being said, not everybody wants to tell their story. Uh, so you have to have some form of desire to get yourself out there and do it. Not everyone's going to be a great public speaker. Uh, not everybody's going to be feel, feel comfortable to just do that. I think it's it's good for people to get outside of their their comfort zone. And I do think that everyone has a reasonably good story to tell. I would recommend for anybody who is not quite comfortable yet to start going on some much, much smaller shows uh, for two reasons. One, smaller shows are going to be much easier to get a placement on because they're just starting out. They don't have the, the influx of people reaching out to them and wanting to be on their show. So they're usually happy to feature just about 
anybody so that they can keep their publishing cadence consistent. But number two is just a really good trial run because what's going to end up happening is you're going to get on there. You're going to do it. You're going to be so nervous before you go on. And then you actually go ahead and do it. And when you realize, well, that wasn't so bad at all. I would recommend for people who are really, really nervous, especially those who are anxious and sort of self-conscious after it's done, after it's published, send the episode to a few friends before you listen to it. Because if you just go and listen to it straight away, you ever heard your own voice and all you've of course heard your own voice because you (laughs) run a podcast, but most people who hear their own (laughs) voice for the first time are like, they're shocked. They're overly critical of it. Whereas if you send it to some friends first, your friends are generally going to say, some nice things to you. And then it allows you to look at it from a little bit of a different light. And rather than being extremely critical of why did I say that? You can look at it from a little bit of a different lens of like, okay, I could do that a little bit better next time. I I do recordings all the time, (laughs) eight hours a day in front of a video recorder of some sort. And uh, I was listening to my parents' voicemail the other day, trying to get their messages off the phone for them. And I didn't even recognize my own voice. I'm like, oh, that was me. (laughs) sister's looking at me like you're nuts <laughs> I, I don't recognize my own voice what and it comes across different all the time so yes peeps if you're don't ever listen to your phone as the first reaction but do get the bug because it is a ton of fun and i know a lot of people who are i think that nervousness is almost a seed of this is exactly what you need to do um because it is it can be very fun and very addictive in fact I'm absolutely in love with podcasting. Podcasting was the thing that helped me to get through the lockdown because it was so much fun being able to meet phenomenal and interesting people from across the world that I never would have been able to meet before. And I can do a call in London and then a call in Australia back to back and, you know, no flights included. And it was awesome. This is one of my other uh, favorite parts about podcasting, particularly guest podcasting, and it's a bonus more than anything, is that you end up just meeting so many great people. And sometimes this can actually turn into great partnerships. Uh, we have a, several examples of of guests and hosts realizing like, wait, we should definitely be doing something together, you know? Uh, and I always tell our, our customers that lazy and unmotivated people don't go out and start podcasts. So by design, when you get on this recording with the host, you're in good company. You're with someone who's a smart professional and you should know this person. If you're on their podcast, it's because you're somewhat related to their industry. This is somebody that you should know. I love that. So what would you say is your favorite part of your business? My favorite part of my business, I would say honestly, is is running our team. Uh, so I mean, that's kind of a cliche answer. No, it's uh, not. Nobody's ever said that. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I mean, some people have said they like the camaraderie of the team, but uh, the running of the team is a totally different business skill for sure. Let me uh, rephrase that uh, a okay. little bit, I guess. Because <laughs> I'm not, it any way you want. It's all I'm you not have. currently running the team. <laughs> I, I do have a general manager on board. Mm-hmm. It's been seeing the growth of the team over okay. time and seeing what we've been able to do as a team over time is is my favorite part. Um, I'm currently not working direct with with any of our customers. So uh, that's why I, I turn towards the team as my favorite part, because they're the people that I'm interacting with the most. Uh, but we grew from a team of... So when we first did this pivot, we were a lead gen company and 
we had we had shrunk a little bit just because I, as the founder, was a bit burnt out and continuing to provide that uh, and continue to run that business. So we had shrunk down to a team of about six uh, when we were running the lead gen business. And then we pivoted. And by the end of the year, we were a team of about 30. And so we grew incredibly, incredibly, incredibly fast. And it was just, it, it still gives me kind of goosebumps to kind of look back at where we went. And now we have such a large team of people who are all, you know, working in their roles individually. I don't know. The reason why I said it seems like kind of a cliche might be the wrong word, but I, I think maybe like a, a low level answer is just because it's, that's how business should run anyways, but it's just been such a joy for me to experience and see the team grow going from small to continually getting larger and larger. That's awesome. I love it. So um, what are some of the struggles that somebody might be having right now that they're, that they're thinking, oh, Dana, I need you so badly in my business. So the tough part about our business for the most part is that most people would see us as a nice to have service rather than a essential part of their business. There's definitely people who do see us as an essential part of their business because there's definitely companies who uh, view podcast marketing as one of their biggest channels. But for a lot of companies, they're viewing it as a sort of nice to have. Uh, but for people who have you know, spent the time and have seen results in the past doing podcasting, the biggest thing for them is just how do they find the best opportunities? How do they know which shows are are good? How do they reach out to them? How do they manage all of these things? Some people have started to you know, hire their own EAs or someone to manage the process for them, but that still requires them to go and figure out you know, the intricacies of what do hosts actually want? You know, um, One of the biggest things that we've had to figure out in offering this service is how to find common ground between what the shows want to publish and what the customers that we have want to talk about uh, because shows care mostly about what their audience wants to hear. Our customers generally want to get their message out there, but it can't be salesy and it can't be in conflict with what the, you know, the host wants to, to talk about. So finding ways to, you know, figure out what is the intersection of these topics that is a good fit for, for everybody. Love it. So can you give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients? Yeah. Maybe not necessarily rags to riches, but maybe chaos to order or <laughs> something. Yeah. Uh, so we had a customer uh, and they were doing sales training. So, so they offer both uh, you know, consulting services as, as well as courses. Uh, and they went on a couple of podcasts that really, really skyrocketed things for them. I mean, they're already doing well, but really helped things to take off. Uh, so they went on one show and the host resonated so much with their methodology in the initial pre-interview they did that the host wanted to promote their course. And they did do, you know, a little bit of a commission deal, uh, but they ended up selling more of those courses or they had their highest selling course month, the month of the public, uh, the podcast published, and then nice. continue to see, you know, sales from that course just trickle in ever since. Absolutely. And then they went on another show with a host. And like I was mentioning earlier, they ended up striking up a, a joint venture deal with this host because they were both in the sales space and they just had overlapping customers. And it turned into seven figures of revenue for both of them within about nice. a year. And it's just one of those things where, you know, he went on just to record a, an episode and, you know, hopefully put some things out there into the world that people want to hear. And by the end of the episode, they, you know, stop the recording. It could be a very, very valuable time after the recording stops to spend a little bit more time with the host. And they were just sitting there going, 
wait, hold on. There's something here and we need to figure out how to work together. And they did. And they just, it was the right ingredients there, just needing a little bit of fire underneath it to cook it into a nice meal. Nice. I love that. That is definitely one of my favorite parts of, of hosting podcasts is being able to find those perfect connections. They go, Oh my God, my audience needs what you do. We're, we're taking this further. It's not just, you know, the normal promotions that we would do in podcasting. And yes, we will often find people that we like to affiliate with or joint venture with or whatever you want to call it. It's definitely a, a stronghold. I love it. So I know our listeners are, you know, podcast curious, if nothing else, or they're going, Oh man, if somebody could take over that, that'd be fantastic. So I know my listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? So they can find us at legendarypodcast.com. Um, I recommend people also check out legendarypodcast.com slash guest, uh, where we have a lot of resources for people to go and learn more about how they can do this all on their own. Um, another tip I always like to provide our customers is, or anyone going on podcasts for, for any reason, is the question that you're asking me right now is an amazing time to direct people. And it's pretty much the only time when you can direct people to the exactly the place where you want them to go. Uh, so too many people use this opportunity to say, oh, well, I'm Dana Lindahl on LinkedIn, just go and add me there and look me up. Or something that puts the, the burden of effort onto the listener to take that next step, particularly for an introverted person. They're not gonna go look that person up on LinkedIn and send them a connection request and say something, right? Um, so I always recommend people to send their guests or send the listeners to something that helps them build a little bit more on the topic you've already talked about on the show, have valuable content there for them, put it behind an opt-in if you'd like to, so that you can continue to keep in touch with these people over time, but make sure that they can get something for you for free that's valuable based on that appearance. And that way you can stay top of mind with them. You haven't been pitching them while you're on the call. Everyone appreciates the interaction you've had and they've been able to stay in touch with you and they haven't had to do something awkward to continue with the next step. So that's my biggest tip for everyone who does podcasts. I love it. Always make it easy for people who are interested in you, especially in the moment where they're really interested and curious in you. <laughs> so on that note, peeps, we will, of course, have all of Dana's links in the show notes. So go ahead and scroll down, click on the links, open in a new browser because we are not done yet. So Dana, I get to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? I think there was two points. Well, well, two separate points. There was one point where I realized that I was the special kind of crazy. And then there was the other point where I realized that it meant I should be an entrepreneur. Um, so I've always known from a young age that I was destined for something different. I never vibed with the normal path in life. I was in alternative schools all throughout my you know, childhood, things like that. And everyone knew that I was not going to go and do something normal. Uh, but it took me moving to Bali at 21 years old and just meeting some random people out there who were running internet businesses. I was, you know, scratching away, trying to just write some online articles for a very low amount of money. I was 21 years old. So I didn't, and I lived in paradise on the beach. I didn't need a lot of money. Um, but I went to a meetup one day, someone invited me to a pool party and everyone was sitting around on their laptops working. And I was like, Hey, I, I thought this was a party. Like it's, it's Bali. It's Saturday. We're at a pool party and everyone's working. And it was at that point that I realized that 
what I'd been doing freelancing and trying to hustle up, you know, some little gigs while I was living as a foreigner in Bali was cool, but there could be so much more. And I really got involved with this group. They're called the dynamite circle. Great group of people that I'm still involved with today. Um, and that's when I realized that, okay, I've been different. I haven't had a job since I was 18 years old. I've been figuring out a way to kind of make all this work. I need to do this in a little bit more of an official way. So I first figured out that I was different. And then I figured out maybe about a decade later that that difference was that I was never meant to work in a corporate office or a regular job again. And that it wasn't so much that entrepreneurship was for me. It was that I really didn't have another path. It was the only one that really still existed for the way that I wanted to live. Nice. I love it. You've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for peeps? Uh, really just, you know, the podcast industry is growing all the time. Uh, it's growing year over year, year after year, and it's not too late to get involved. Uh, you know, companies like mine do charge people for our service to get them placed on podcasts, but you can go out and do the same thing yourself for free. It can be a very, very easy, uh, cost effective and I don't want to say low effort, but it's not difficult uh, form of marketing for your company. And it's a very, very organic form of marketing. It's a great way for people to get to know, like, and trust you. Uh, and you've got nothing to lose by giving it a try. Nice. And I will say that as a guest on other podcasts, over a hundred of them, it is way easier to have somebody like you doing all the and stuff. <laughs> and I just get to show up, do my stuff and, and walk away. Cause there's a lot of logistics and, and conversation going on behind the scenes that it's really, uh, I will, I can't, I can't recommend getting somebody to take care of all of that for you enough. It's worth it. Trust me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dana, for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. All right. Thank you, Michelle. It was a pleasure. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show, share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures, but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.